That same day, the Sadducees, who said there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses, Moses told us that if a man dies while having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among, among us. The first married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother, The same thing happened to the second and the third brother, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people would neither marry nor be given into marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God has said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teachings. Thank you, Angie. Awesome. So, um... My name is Alex. I've been on staff with New City Kids for a few years, about five years now, and I've got an awesome opportunity to work with Tony in our sailing program, and Tony and I were chatting about um, preaching today, and he said, you guys don't hear about marriage a whole lot from our faithful single pastor here, so um, I am going to preach on marriage today, and I didn't choose the any like infamous wedding texts, as you notice. This is not like the one that you'd hear at a wedding, like... Yeah, she was married seven times, and then when they got to heaven, they didn't have marriage anymore, and so go enjoy. Um, But yeah, we're going to look at this text. Before we get into it, though, I want to say, when I first started on staff with New City Kids, um, I was learning about our college readiness program. We help seniors in high school apply for college. We help juniors with SAT tests, and I was thinking, man, I am an expert at college because I went to college, so certainly I can help these kids, um, I, the woman I was working with had like eight different seniors assigned to her, and I was like, give me all eight. I can do this. Like, I'm an expert. And then I re- learned that I don't know anything about college in New Jersey. I know very little about the application process. I've since learned, but at the time I was like, what is a Ramapo, and what does that mean? And um, So all that to say, I learned then that I did not know everything there was to know about college, and I learned over the years. I'm now much more humble and I will say, I don't know everything there is to know about marriage. And I'm not here to tell you uh, from a long list of all the things I've learned. I've been married for about a year and a half now. My wife Heidi is here with us today. So, um, But n- n- nonetheless, I want to look at Scripture and see what this verse has to say and learn what Jesus has to tell us uh, through this. So let me pray for us real quick as we open. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this morning and your spirit that guides us and leads us. Uh, Father, we pray that you would open our ears today. I pray that uh, my, wor- my words would be honoring to you and that our ears would be open to whatever you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, just some context to this verse that we just read. This is around the time Jesus is being questioned by all these different religious leaders. He's, he's questioned about 
taxes, about how they should spend their money, if they should give to the government or not. He's questioned about his authority, um, if he really is the Son of God, if he really has the right to be claiming to be God. And now he gets this strange question from these dudes named the Sadducees who are notorious for not believing in the resurrection. Right? It's the opening line that says uh, they did not believe in the resurrection. And so they take their turn. They ask him this question. They tell this long story about this woman who was married, and then she dies, and she didn't have kids, and so she's like passed on to seven different siblings. And then they ask, like, what will happen to her uh, at the resurrection? And so I want to look at three different points today. Uh, the first one is that marriage is awesome. That's my first point. Marriage is awesome. Yeah, amen. Woo. Second point, marriage isn't the point. Uh, and the third point is that the resurrection is. The resurrection is the point. So first up, marriage is awesome. Like I said, I've been married for about a year and a half, and it's been awesome. Um, my wife, Heidi, and I met a long time ago. Um, and we worked together at this running store in the summer times. Um, and she was a faithful believer, and we just really loved working together, and it was awesome. And um, one day I was like, you know what, Heidi? I would marry a girl like you, and it was super awkward. Um, and she had a boyfriend at the time, and it didn't go over super well. Uh, so anyway... Left that, went on to college, it was great, and then a couple years later we stayed in touch, we had coffee together, and we were both in this like similar year where we were like making different commitments to follow the Lord, and it was, it was crazy, like we had all these things that were lining up, and I was like, I am going to marry this girl. I didn't tell her that time, because I learned my lesson the first time, but I went home, this is right about the time I was exploring a calling to New City Kids, I was still living in Michigan, and so I wrote in this journal, I wrote, I feel like God is calling me to New City Kids. I also feel like he's calling me to marry Heidi. I just don't see how these two things are going to go together. Uh, and then I kind of forgot about it. We, I finished up college, came out here, was committed to ministry. A couple years later, I was like, I wonder what Heidi's doing. And I was like, I wonder if she's married. I like, haven't seen her for a little while. And I like, looked up on Facebook and I was like, oh my gosh, Heidi is single. I am going to marry this girl. And I called my friend, my best friend. He was like, you need to calm down. But um, anyway, I didn't even think about this until um, this morning in preparing and thinking about uh, the sermon, but that uh, just this week, or two weeks ago, Heidi joined New City Kids staff. So New City Kids and Heidi do go together uh, to answer my prayer from like five years ago. So praise the Lord for that. But anyway, that's just a quick kind of recap of my and Heidi's journey to marriage. But in marriage, it has been incredible. God has taught us different ways that we are to uh, lead each other to Christ, that we're supposed to pray for each other. Uh, it's just amazing to come home and have somebody who knows my story, and I know her story, and we can be committed to each other. And that's amazing. And Scripture has all these great things to say about how we are to uh, be united to our spouses, and um, yeah, all, the, all the, the wedding verses that we would see. But there's also a couple practical things that this verse tells us about marriage. Um, the verse, it says that when Jesus is correcting them, he says, in heaven you will neither be given, in, you'll neither marry nor be given in marriage. And that would be a reference to that husbands would marry and wives would be given in marriage in that time, um, betrothed from their fathers. And he's saying you're not going to be given in marriage, 
you're going to be like the angels. And by that, I don't think he means you're going to have wings and it's going to be like, you know, Da Vinci painting. I think what he means is angels are uh, created. They're not birthed, right? And so he's saying there won't be death in heaven, so there won't be a need for birth in heaven. And that's a, a function of marriage. God gave us marriage to strengthen our, our culture, to uh, procreate, to make our world flourish, right? He's saying um, there's a purpose for marriage, and in heaven that purpose won't be there. That same purpose won't exist, uh, which to me leads me to the next point. Marriage isn't the point. After I tell you this, this you know, heartfelt romantic story about my journey to being married with Heidi, then I read this verse, and I'm like, what the? I spent seven years waiting for this woman. Now I'm committed, and now Jesus is telling me, um, actually, it's not permanent. You thought it was permanent, but you're going to get to heaven one day, and this marriage won't be permanent anymore. And I think that we could feel um, a lot of different ways about that. You could feel sad and disappointed that something that you've longed for, maybe you're still longing for, uh, is not the thing that's ultimately going to satisfy. Um, but that's okay, because marriage is not the point here. Um, one thing that I think is beautiful about this text, as Jesus is explaining, that at the resurrection there won't be marriage anymore. It gives us a new perspective on the function of marriage today. This means that marriage is ultimately just a stewardship. Just like how we talk about money and relationships and everything else in our life, that God has given us good things for us to steward on this earth. If you're married, that means your spouse is just a gift to you for you to steward unto the resurrection. Until the day that we're before Jesus, that means my responsibility to Heidi and her responsibility to me is to care for her and to steward her and to pray for her and to present her wholly before the Lord. Uh, she's not, as some cultures or views of marriage might have it, she's not just to report to me or me to her. She's not just uh, subject to me in different ways. She is a responsibility that I have unto the Lord and same me to her. Um, but beyond just that point, that marriage is not the point of our existence, marriage is not the point of our time here on earth, marriage is not the point of this story either. Jesus is very gracious in this story because the Sadducees are coming to him with what might to us seem like an innocent question. They're asking, man, I, I, I've heard of heaven, I've heard of this resurrection, and... What's going to happen to this woman? Like, is she going to have seven husbands? Is it going to be awkward when she gets to heaven? It could seem like this is just like an innocent view of marriage. But if we dig deeper, it doesn't seem like their questioning is quite so innocent. The Sadducees, as we said, are known for not believing in the resurrection. And so they are most likely trying to trap Jesus, just like everyone else before him. And the questions that are going to follow also. They're, they're pulling this story from another uh, apocryphal book, and they're trying to, to trick Jesus. They don't believe that the resurrection is real. And so when they come to him, they're saying, in almost a mocking voice, uh, so what's going to happen then, right? You believe in this resurrection. What's going to happen to this woman then? And Jesus, in a tremendous show of grace, he answers their actual question. He answers the question that they ask about marriage. But then he also answers the deeper question, or the question that they should have answered. So he answers their question about marriage and says, there won't be marriage in heaven, so don't worry about who she's going to be married to because she's not going to be married to any of them. 
But then he goes on to say this. He says, but about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said, what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Which when I read that, did not make a whole lot of sense to me. I was like, Jesus is saying he's the God of the living, and then he cites three dead guys, right? He, he's citing Moses, who is now dead, talking about three guys who were already dead. And I was super confused. I was like, that is not the greatest example to use, right? It's like if I was trying to prove my fashion sense or my tech savviness, and I was like, I'm the, the master of the iPhone 2 or something like that. Like, it's not the greatest perspective. Um, but what Jesus is saying is incredibly profound. He's saying that if God claims to be the God of these three dead guys, then they must not really be dead, that there must be something greater, that if he claims to be in a covenantal relationship with them, then the covenant isn't dead and they're not dead, that they will be raised again, just like how Jesus, who is speaking to these people, knows that in a few months at this time, he will also die and be raised from the dead. So he's saying, first of all, let me answer your question about marriage. There's not going to be marriage in heaven. Second of all, you're wrong about your view of the resurrection. You're wrong about your view of me. And I am going to show you in a very short amount of time the power of God. He says you're in error because you don't understand God's power and you don't understand the resurrection. So marriage is awesome. Marriage is not the point, but the resurrection does seem to be the point. Jesus shares this this new view of the resurrection to them, which uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection, the Sadducees were actually considered heretics by a lot of other Jewish groups because of their view of the resurrection. Um, he's saying, don't get distracted by these silly questions or these trivial thoughts of heaven, but realize who I am. Realize who Jesus is and that he is going to be raised from the dead. But one thing I think is most beautiful about this and this picture of resurrection is a lot of times when we think about, you know, heaven and afterlife, when we think about death, um, we think about God putting away death. We think about all of the taking away of the negative things, right? We think there won't be suffering anymore. There won't be sickness. There'll be no more evil. There'll be no more death. Trading my sorrows, right? All these accurate views of the resurrection. But Jesus in this verse is saying, my power is even greater than that. And in the resurrection... I'm not just taking away the bad things. I'm even taking away the good things and making them better. There won't be marriage anymore in heaven. And marriage is one of the, the greatest gifts God has given us. It's one of these views of God's covenant relationship with us. It's one of the most profound ways that we can uh, understand God's unconditional love for us when it's done rightly. And here Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you something even better than that. I'm replacing even the good with something greater than that, which I think is super beautiful. So this is good news for us. If you're married today, this helps us put into, into the right view what our responsibility as married people is, are. That means that we are to steward our spouses unto Christ. Uh, you have a job description now in your marriage to love your spouse until they are before the Lord, until they reach the final marriage. Um, if you're single today or if you're in a challenging season of marriage, 
This is also good news for you because Jesus is clearly laying out that marriage is not some sort of prerequisite for following him. It's not some sort of pinnacle of the Christian faith like we sometimes paint it to be. Jesus himself was a single man who was saying, when you get to the resurrection, you're going to get something even greater than marriage. And for all of us, no matter what our circumstances, this is a beautiful message because it means if we put our faith in Christ, the best is yet to come. If you're struggling now, it's going to be traded for something greater. If you're in a great season now, what Jesus has for you is even greater than that. Like I said, I'm not an expert in marriage, uh, but I am grateful for Christ's message here, and I want to close in prayer. Father, we praise you that you are um, the wisdom of God, Lord, and you make known to us uh, the mysteries of God, that you have lowered yourself, that you have shown us what a true covenant relationship looks like. And God, we thank you that you are going to make all things new. Even the good things in our life, Lord, you will make better. And the challenging things of our life, the suffering in our lives, you will wipe away forever, Lord. We praise you for this day. We ask you to bless the marriages in this church. We ask you to strengthen marriages in our community. Lord, and continue to give us a right view of it in your name. Amen. Thank you. And uh, now as we continue to worship, uh, we're going to receive an offering. The offering is a chance.